Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. in the summer here at Bell Curve, we decided to do a couple of interviews with women about their work. We spoke to Javasia Harris-Bowser, who turned her side hustle into her full-time work. We at Bell Curve know that our listeners often struggle with the sense that they are stuck in their careers. Maybe things were swimming along just great at the firm or the company, and then somehow they become not so great. Maybe you've mastered your job and you want more. Maybe you want to be part-time for work-life balance and your employer is resistant. That happens sometimes. Maybe you want more responsibility and can't get it. Maybe you want to raise a change in your benefits. Maybe a change of circumstances in your work environment has put you in a position where you are really questioning yourself and your professional skills. Or maybe you're struggling because you think, heck, am I even in the right line of work at all? Well, I am Mary Scott Hunter, and I'm here today with my co-host, Liz Bashirs and our guest, Vicki Gazelshop, to bring you some insights and tips for this oh-so-common situation. In all of these situations, the inevitable next question is, what in the world do I do? Well, we at Bell Curve think a lot of women go through this. I currently work for a company that wins national awards for the treatment of employees, but I didn't go to work for my current firm until I was nearly 40 years old. While I had some great bosses in the military and in my firms before this, I had various points along the way when I just knew I had to make a change. I suspect you have as well, or you will someday. So listen closely, Bell Curve community, because today you will get some good insight for handling this situation. And if you don't need the info today, you will probably need it someday. And you probably have a friend that needs it right now. So just a little quick housekeeping before we get started. We are still very new as a podcast. For those of you that are new and this is your very first podcast, go back and listen to the old ones and you'll get a sense of where we've been and what we've done. Just give us a little break on that early programming. We weren't as great on the tech, but we're starting to get that down now. It's still (laughs) hit and miss, but yeah. Show us some grace, (laughs) please. (laughs) We have had the opportunity to advertise, but we have chosen not to just yet. We really want to make sure that we have our show in the groove before we take on a sponsor or an advertiser. And when we do, we commit to you listeners that you will know when we are advertising. Our guest today does work for a wonderful real estate agency, and she may mention their name in the course of today's interview, but we have no advertising arrangement with her or her company. We are bringing you Vicki today because we want you to take control of your situation and get on a professional track that does meet your needs and goals. Vicki did that. And we think her story will give you insight and confidence that you can do the same. Hi, Vicki. Hey, Mary Scott and Liz. Thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, you are. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And y'all, this is actually our second take. So we, because we had, speaking of um, 
problems with tech. We had to, we had to, we had some technical difficulties the first time around. So this is take two and we think it's even, it's going to be uh, as good or better than take one. So let's start today with a little quiz. Um, okay, listeners, bell curve listeners out there, get this one in your head. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, about how many jobs will the average millennial have in his or her lifetime? So how many jobs? A, three to five, B, five to seven, C, 12 to 15 or more. As the resident millennial. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I do know, I, I know that how many I've had in my seven, eight years out of college. And it's a lot. Um, and I know, I, so I'm going to go on the high end. I'm going to, I'm going to guess C. Uh, we're not millennials. But, yeah, from the not millennial crowd on this <laughs> this podcast today. Um, I, I have not had that many uh, yet, <laughs> but uh, I still I think Liz is right. I think it's probably way up there. They like to learn new things all the time and and getting new opportunities is what they're all about. So, well, and I don't know if this is a millennial thing or if it's just a thing today for anybody who is in the workforce, but the answer is 12 to 15. So you guys were both correct. Um, Yeah. And I just want to kind of kick us off that way because that's data that's coming from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And we, we are going to change jobs. Young people are changing jobs, but everybody's changing jobs. So with that in mind, Vicki, please introduce yourself to our listeners. We want to get to know you. Hello, Bell Curve podcast listeners. This is Vicki Gazelle-Shap, and I am, um, like Mary Scott, an attorney, well, licensed attorney in Florida and Alabama, and have recently changed, I guess you'd say changed careers in a way. Um, I was born and raised in Pensacola, Florida, and decided eventually, went to University of Alabama and then went home to Pensacola and decided to go to law school, uh, went to law school, got out, practiced a few years in, in Tallahassee, uh, met my husband where we moved to Fort Walton Beach after we got married. Uh, he had a job at uh, Eglin, well, actually Herbert Field, and I was working for a firm in Fort Walton Beach. And things just weren't clicking for us there, I guess you'd say. Um, we wanted more and the cost of living was very high down there. And uh, so we started looking around and we landed in Huntsville back in 2006. So 13 years ago. Um, and we absolutely love it here. When we moved up here, I was not licensed as an attorney in Alabama. And so I took a position um, with a company as a contracts administrator. And they are not a DOD company, which is very rare here in Huntsville. Majority of the companies here are DOD related. Um, Department of Defense, for those who are not necessarily familiar with the vernacular up here, we are in Huntsville. But this was a unique position because it didn't have to do with with government contracts. It was uh, more legal based. And uh, that appealed to me. I accepted the position and eventually uh, soon thereafter, took and and passed the Alabama bar. So I was licensed in Alabama at that time then, but I stayed with the company. I, I stayed with them for several reasons. One, I was enjoying the work. It was a challenge to me because it was different from what I did in Florida. This position was a transactional type position where I was just reviewing and negotiating contracts and making sure that, uh, the company's risk was managed as much as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was a challenge to me because it was something different. And I really liked the people I worked with. It was a good work environment. It, it wasn't 
too terribly many hours and I wasn't having to bill my time like I did as a litigator. I wasn't living my life in six minute increments, uh, which was a nice change. Sure. <laughs> and Mary Scott's giggling because she knows the feeling. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Well, what changed? Because I know well, at a point you, that it did change. It did. It did change. I got to where, fortunately, they did finally name a, a contracts council and I would do more legal stuff for them. But I felt like I was hitting that ceiling constantly. And so I was wait a minute, you, you started out in mm-hmm. contracts and you did that and mm-hmm. that was, non-lawyers could have done that work as Correct. well. Correct. And actually a non-lawyer was doing that work before I took the position. But you grew the job into a lawyer job. I did. Okay. I did. They would rely on me for litigation management, for my knowledge there, for negotiating settlements, if there was a claim by a third party of some sort. So I was, I was a trusted legal advisor for Uh, intellectual property matters as well. I'm not by no means an expert in intellectual property. I kind of know enough to be dangerous, but know enough to to guide people the right (laughs) way, right? And if they did have some litigation, which fortunately this company did not have a lot of, I was the person they could rely on to to shepherd that through and and help them understand what was going on, what the next steps were. So let's kind of encapsulate this piece because Mm -hmm. I think this is important. Our listeners could be in that situation. You've, you've gotten into a good situation. You've gotten into a groove. You're, you're building, building, building. You're, you're well-liked. You like your work and then something changes. So what what happened? I think the biggest change that happened is we were acquired by a publicly traded company that had its own general counsel. And that was a difficult switch for everybody in the company because we went from privately held to publicly held and that put a lot of other pressures on the company. And I just, I I felt like even though we were now held by a larger company, I felt like my growth was stunted a little bit because of that extra layer. And I just, I just didn't feel like I was going to be offered any additional opportunities. And that, that was tough. So I just kind of, as as I did say in the first take, since she's disclosed, this is the second take. Um, (laughs) Eventually, my give a damn busted. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Did you say that the first time? I did. <laughs> and yeah, your give a damn got up and went. It did. I, I just kind of got. It was monotonous, and it, I, I needed a change. I, I just was doing the exact same thing every day, and there was no further opportunity since we had that. Were extra you going layer. into the office, working from home? I was the- at that time. Actually, I had been working from home since um, they had given me the opportunity to work from home since about two thousand fourteen, maybe thirteen, fourteen timeframe, mm-hmm. which was great at first. But then I kind of started. I would go into the office two or three times a week, but I, I kind of got alienated. People weren't used to having me around. I, I didn't get involved as many things. I wasn't in the loop as often. And I mean, honestly, it was, it got to be a depression of some sorts. Mm. Um, and where I'd almost self-sabotage, you know, eh, they don't care what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, type thing, which was a horrible thing to say. And Did a horrible you find thing it to hard be. to stay motivated? It was extremely difficult to stay motivated it, from both perspectives. One, I was working from home and two, that the work just was not interesting to me anymore. It was not a challenge. I had no challenges ahead of me. How did you know that your career was off track? I wanted to do anything else but what I was doing. And I had a a heart to heart conversation with my Mm -hmm. boss who was, we actually were quite close and, and 
had a lot of respect for one another. He kind of gave me a lot of top cover, if you will, because the, the position I was in, nobody liked because I was usually the department of no. And that's what lawyers usually are in companies is the department of no because of legal risks. And he gave me a lot of top cover and he, because he respected what I was doing and understood where I was coming from. And we had a heart to heart and said, you know what, it's, it's time for me to move on to something else. And um, so that so was a decision that, that you came to together. It, it was, it really was. It, I wasn't performing and, and providing the company the service that they deserved. They weren't providing me the opportunities that I needed and wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a mutual agreement to go to split. I had been thinking about what the heck I was going to do. And real estate was always something I wanted to do. Um, I, got, I shouldn't say always wanted something to do, but I really enjoy that realm. And I love houses. I mean, I, <laughs> and the God honest truth is there are several people in the city of Huntsville that have put wagers on when Mike and Vicky, Mike's my husband, Mike and Vicky are going to build their next house. And as a matter of fact, we're in the process of another one at this moment. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. <laughs> Serial blood for punishment. Serial. I hate movies. Oh, I, we love it because it, we like something new every time and, and new adventures, and we like to get up and go and do stuff. So, um, it, real estate something I had learned to really know in this town. I know the market. I know all the neighborhoods. I know all the builders, and so it was a good segue to a new career. So, it, I figured real estate was something that my legal skills would transfer wonderfully to because of my ability to know negotiations and and how to negotiate a contract, know the terms of a contract. And also the biggest thing is to know what's important when something goes, goes south and, and what's going to be important in a litigated, a litigated matter. So let me just kind of stop there because I think this is going to be a point that we need to make. You, you knew your career was off track. Yeah. You made a decision to have a, a very hard conversation how hard was that conversation? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being hard, uh, about a 15. Because <laughs> it was scary. Mm-hmm. I was looking at doing something that wasn't going to bring in the salary that I was bringing in as, as an in-house counsel, uh, which is, is a nice salary. I mean, I was going, I'm wanting to go do something to build a business that was completely new to me. I never built a business before, worked for myself. I've always worked for somebody. So it was scary. It was it was scary on multiple levels. One, I didn't know if I had the right skill set for it. But one of the reasons I did pick real estate is because I truly felt that I I had been with this company for over 10 and a half years and for me to go back to a law firm setting would be extremely difficult because there were a lot of skills that I had as a litigator that had gotten very rusty. And I was self-aware of that and very concerned about trying to go to a to a law firm here in town and uh, kind of start back at the bottom, if you will. Now, um, thinking back over your time with the company, mm-hmm. is there anything that might have salvaged that situation? Is there anything, is there any way that you could have, that conversation could have gone another way? I honestly don't think it could have. And I'm not saying this is a, ma- a, a major factor of me leaving, but some there were some personnel changes in leadership mm-hmm. that the company was kind of going in a different direction. I don't think I was ever going to get where I wanted to be and where I'd be happy. So you had the challenge of just ha- facing it, mm-hmm. facing it personally, facing it with your employer. Mm-hmm. Um, how about your husband? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't an easy conversation either. 
hey, honey, um, I haven't exactly been fired, but um, I am leaving at the end of June. <laughs> uh, it was a mutual decision. So um, I, I have to say and, and cannot give him enough credit. He um, he is known to be somewhat he could be a hothead sometimes and really reactive to things. And he was not. He um, he was absolutely there for me and said, we'll figure it out. Let's mm-hmm. let's figure this out. And he was 100% behind me starting into real estate. And we we went on that, that trek. Um, I won't say it wasn't stressful because every time I'd miss a potential lead call, he freaked, he freaked out. He's like, you can't, you can't miss those calls. You can't miss. That's how I knew he was nervous. Wow. He wasn't directly nervous to me, but if something went south or if I missed an opportunity, that's when he freaked out, um, which I thought was very telling. It came out a different way than I would have expected. Now for the listeners that, you know, might be going through this or, you know, or thinking about this, was it really just that tidy? Like you went from the firm no. to, no, you no, know. No, 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 no. I'm just going to do something new today. Okay. <laughs> All right. So truth be told, uh, my husband and I had dreams of starting a business on the side. And that's why I chose to get into real estate was to kind of do it on the side and have the the income from that real estate gig go towards funding that business, being the capital contribution for that business. And it so happened, it all kind of came together at once. And all of a sudden, real estate was going to be my my main source of income. Did you consider what were the other things you considered? What were what else was on the horizon besides real estate? Oh, what the the business? Yes. (laughs) Uh, we really want start want to start Huntsville's first winery. Oh, oh. So <laughs> yeah. So you so, thought about a winery, and yeah. did you ever think about hanging your shingle out and practicing? I law? did. Um, well, that's that's funny. Um, that's something Mike was really interested in me doing, and I just did not have the confidence to do it. I just did not think I could do it. I didn't know enough about different areas of the law to be able to be a general practitioner. Um, I would never put myself before a client to do you know, say divorce or family law or a criminal case, because I have never, ever, ever dabbled in those areas of law. Mm-hmm. However, as I was networking, I'm a, I'm a networker. I get out and I do, I meet people and, and find opportunities. And as I was networking for real estate, I would find people that would say, oh, you're an attorney. I need your help with this. I need your help with that. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Why not? Well, I had five clients and no law firm and it dawned on me. Hey, Vicki, these are all small business people that you're networking with. They all need a small business lawyer and they're too scared and to don't have the income to go down and hire one of the big wigs downtown. What and, a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So I, I could be that attorney that they could, you know, they get me on the phone. They can come see me in my office. It's not have a ton of overhead in it and I don't have to charge them, you know, $400 an hour, a uh, much lower level and serve their needs. And I was very fortunate to have that opportunity. So I said, well, let's start a law firm. Why not? And um, so in October of 17, this was just a few months after I left uh, my other company in June, I launched Enterprise Legal Solutions as my law firm because I knew not to name my law firm Gazelle Shap Law because nobody would ever come see me. Um, (laughs) It's kind of hard to spell. (laughs) And say and scares people to death. Um, so anyway, I, I, I chose Enterprise Legal Solutions for many reasons. One, uh, the name Enterprise is business related. Um, and it also has a connection to Huntsville being uh, 
the shuttle, the Enterprise shuttle. So yeah. um, that's why I chose that name. And I was rocking and rolling through that and through 2018. And the the real estate was always there. And I was doing deals on the side or, you know, in the background or whatever, just not very many because I wasn't focusing my energies on gaining real estate clients. And I was I was getting the law clients, but I honestly wasn't loving it. It wasn't what was getting me out of bed in the morning. And by the end of last year, I really took stock of what was going to make me happy. And it truly was the real estate. I really enjoy that. Um, a lot of realtors will tell you, oh, it's the most stressful job. No, no, no. <laughs> I just have to disagree compared to practicing law. Um, it, it, it's actually a joy to do. Uh, yeah, you might have some stressful deals and things go crazy, but that's when I decided to do real estate full time. So beginning of this year. your transition wasn't a, like a tidy little thing. Oh, you know, gosh, you no. kind of, you, you went through the firm and, 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 and your firm is still going. I it mean, is. I just still have the firm. Yeah. Um, Hoping to wind some stuff down by the end of the year. But. So do you think our listeners will expect to, for those that are going through this or thinking about going through this, I think it's important that they are prepared for some messiness. Some it's gonna Absolutely. Be, it's going to be a little untidy. It is. And I'm a person who's never turned down an opportunity, at least to explore it. I want to explore opportunities that are in front of me. And that's what I did. I took that opportunity. Uh, a couple of things that I wish I would have done in my career. Number one, I stayed at this company for 10 years, which was great. It was a great paycheck. It was a great, great environment uh, for the most part. Not every environment's perfect, but uh, for the most part, it was a good environment. Uh, something I failed to do that hurt me in, in, in my step to the next, my next step is that I did not keep up my skills. I didn't network. I was in-house counsel, so I never went to Madison County Bar Association meetings and met a lot of the attorneys. A lot of times I'd get, do you know so-and-so attorney in town? No, I don't, because I never went to those meetings or, or those networking opportunities, which I, I wish I had have. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have maybe had a better opportunity coming out of, of the company I left. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have been doing some more writing, some more publishing um, of articles, even if I didn't publish them, still just writing some articles and keeping my my that folder full, if you will, my portfolio of knowledge that I could show a, a prospective employer. Sure, or sure. And of you that know, nature. on LinkedIn right now, you can you can self publish your own articles, mm-hmm. and that's pretty easy to yep. do. And it keeps you fresh because it, it requires you, if you want to deliver something of value mm-hmm. and write an article that is going to be mm-hmm. read, then you're going yep. to have to do a, a good job. That's and, right. and it keeps you going. And, and do not be afraid to network. And it's not as if you're networking to find a new job if you're happy where you're at, but always network, 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 because you never know when you find yourself, you're give a damn breaking and you don't know what to do. <laughs> you need to have people in, that you can reach out to and say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm looking for a new opportunity. And I didn't have that. I had to start from scratch from when I left. So um, that is something I've learned a, a super valuable lesson since then. So what emotions can our listeners expect to go through? (laughs) Tell us because they they need to be prepared for that. This is not an easy thing. I assume there were some sleepless nights, you got tired, depressed. Uh, Depression was a huge one. Um, Truly, I I went and saw someone Mm -hmm. Um, had to get treated and anxiety And, and I didn't even recognize the anxiety. And that stemmed from I believe my confidence level in, in my skill set because I'd let it go stagnant for 10 years because I was comfortable. I got so comfortable. I just let it go stagnant. So 
Um, I'd have social anxiety when I was going out and networking and stuff, I'd find. And, and I'd never recognize myself as having that. Um, so I had to get over that. Vicki, thank you so much for being so authentic and vulnerable with us in uh, this interview and, and talking about some of those harder things. It, this is resonating with me so much right now for a lot of reasons. But for over the last year, I've kind of changed my consulting business. I've, I've changed the type of clients I take. And, and that's been a risky thing. And because I haven't been at with as many um, long, longer term clients, I, I don't get as much face to face time with people as I used to. And I have found that if I am at my home office too many days in a row, I start to feel that that depression kicking in. And I yeah. also I, I, I also um, when I started recognizing that kind of thing and I started going and talking to a therapist and it helped so much, but that, that's a big piece of it for me is the just not getting out and talking to people. Apparently I'm an extrovert and need to go talk to people. I don't know, but <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's such an interesting thing that that's a, that's almost a dark side of, of working from home or from entrepreneurship that doesn't get talked about. That is, that is so true. And most people, when you meet me, you would assume that I'm an extrovert. And I, I, I do end up on the, I think I'm an ENTJ or something on the Myers-Briggs, but um, I truly have an introvert side to me that when I've been out talking to people forever, for all day long, I, I have to go home and just silence. <laughs> and I need that re- introspective time. Sure. But I think if you're not getting out of your pajamas for days sure. because you're at home working and I mean, I, th- I can see how at a point you just, you don't feel good. You don't. Yeah. You don't feel yeah. good. Well, it turns out Vicki that um, we started talking, uh, we did the quiz about millennials, but Gen Xers are evidently particularly prone to, to this kind of, this kind of thing and, and their emotions going in this direction. And recent data from MetLife found that only about two in three Gen Xers say they're happy at work compared to 75% of millennials and 74% of boomers. And a survey from recruitment from the recruitment firm, Robert Half found that while just 8% of millennials say they were unhappy at work, 16% of Gen Xers did. They're also more likely than millennials to be actively disengaged with their jobs, according to Gallup. So wherever you are, and whether you're a millennial or a Gen Xer or a boomer, and we have all those in our audience, the Gen Xers, that sandwich generation does tend to, according to this data, these data tend to be actively disengaged. I I have to a thousand percent disagree with that. Excuse me. A thousand percent agree with that. I've seen it in a lot of my friends mm. and um, you know, we come from the the eighties world of go get what you can while you can kind of mentality and, and get to work. And I think the boomers had a little bit different. They were appreciative of their jobs. So they did whatever they had to do. We went after it to do whatever we could as much as we could. And millennials have the, the idea of I'm only going to do what I enjoy. And that's why they enjoy it more. I may be wrong. <laughs> Take that millennial stereotype, <laughs> negative millennial stereotype. I, that, that is the thing that I hear from my, my peers, my cohort so much is that, yeah, the money matters. Yeah, what your, your job title matters. But mostly, and uh, there's some research that I've read to back this up, people in the millennial generation are looking for jobs that fulfill them that they feel like they are working toward a purpose, that what they do matters. They are making some sort of difference in the world, whether that's their world or the job they're doing. And 
I think there's really something to that, that thought of, Hey, I'm not just here to collect a paycheck and go home. What I'm doing matters. That is important to the long-term job satisfaction. Now, like Vicki, like what you were saying is we were just there to get what we could and get out. And that leads to a lot of dissatisfaction, I think. So maybe we've got, maybe the, the maybe the kids are all right. Maybe we've got to figure <laughs> I think out. the beauty of all this generational stuff is that there's so much to be learned from the every other generation. Every single one. Yes. I mean, I, I think that <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot that's really good about are about our the, the kind of the aspects of the greatest generation and mm-hmm. how they stayed with it and stayed with it and are so loyal. I mean, that is a mark of that generation yes. is loyalty to the job, to the boss, to mm-hmm. the, to, to the work. Um, millennials, you can learn from the fact that, you know, if like we went, you know, we've been through this, Absolutely. I've been through it too. I'm, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer like Vicki. And there were points in my career when I was at a crossroads, I got, I got there and boy, oh boy, is it painful. You know, I think that you can learn a lot from the millennial generation where they, okay, they, maybe they don't hurt as much and thrash around right. as much. I don't know, but well, to, to that point, kind of the, the stops and starts that I went through in the past two years you know, I, I decided kind of real estate was my quote unquote passion. And, and I, I'm not a big follower of the follow your passion and the money will come. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily ascribe to that, but I I do believe you have to enjoy what you're doing, right? And, and you want to get out of bed to go do it. So when it came time when I was getting all of these legal clients, I, I honestly, the reason I took them, I kind of knew in the back of my head, okay, this is going to be really tough and I may not, this may not be really what I want to do. But by God, it's what I've been trained to do mm. and it's what I can make money at. Mm. And that really helps my marriage. <laughs> you lose that. Mike, Mike was extremely happy when I decided to do the law firm and, you know, was really hopeful that that would bring in a lot of money. And, and the irony of it is, is the overhead for a law firm is so high. And I was trying to serve clients that didn't want to pay very much. That, that equation doesn't work out great. Right. Um, <laughs> so it, it was a struggle and it was making me miserable again. And I knew the real estate would make but me happy. But maybe you so. had to go through it. And maybe that's the lesson for the listeners out there that you, you, you're going to have some fits and starts mm-hmm. and you're going to try some things that may not work out as you're off ramping where you don't want to be and where you don't have a future mm-hmm. and it, on ramping onto something that does. But I have learned a ton about myself in the last two years. I mean, an absolute ton. And for example, I, I realized now that I love to teach. I love to do seminars and teach people and, you know, I go do negotiation classes and, you know, I could be, you know, do paralegal classes or whatnot. So I think one of my things I want to do with the real estate career is to go teach real estate. Uh, I think I would really enjoy that. So that's something I've learned about myself through this process, which is wonderful because the 10 years prior to that, I wasn't really self-learning and and learning what I like to do and what I want to do um, with my my 168 hours a week and the real estate has really kind of been a lift for me and now, realizing I can I, take it many different rates. I know you're, I know you're really, I mean, you're starting to roll as a real estate agent. <laughs> I know you're, cause I know cause every time I call her, she says, I'm going to a closing. I can't talk right now. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Always be closing. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I, I can't come on your podcast because I'm going to a closing. <laughs> 
just came from an open house today. <laughs> well, I so it's rolling. It and, is. And, it, it is. And that actually helps enjoy it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> helps the enjoyment factor. Yeah, work uh, is a lot more fun when you're making money at it, right? No kidding. No kidding. Uh, something I have to say, I do want to disclose this, and, and it's kind of a, my little tip from the heart to your listeners is, I am a, a very educated real estate agent. <laughs> I have a law degree and an MBA. And um, it's hard when you've identified as an attorney for so many years to say, oh, I'm a real estate agent now. And, and in my mind, and this is not disparaging to anybody in anybody's career, in my mind, that's kind of going backwards, if mm. you will. And that has been something I've had to learn to acclimate to because somebody asked me, well, what do you do? Well, I'm an attorney. I don't say that anymore. Mm. I'm a realtor and I'm proud of it because I can bring those attorney skills to you as my client um, when I'm representing you for buy, buying and selling real estate. And So um, you kind of have to get over your own mental... Um, my pride. <laughs> it's flat out pride. <laughs> I was trying to find a nicer word than that. But <laughs> we don't have much time left, but money making. You talked about making money. And yeah. and that's, you know, that's, a, that's important. It um, is. So when you weren't making money, how'd you deal with, I mean... Kind the of home life, yeah. Um, the home life? <laughs> I was trying to find a delicate way to. Uh, my husband and I took stock of where we were living, and said, "Let's downsize." And uh, we sold our very large house that only the two of us lived in, uh, which we loved and we custom built, um, and in a neighborhood that all of our friends are in. <clears throat> and we we said bye to that. Uh, I literally live in an RV on Redstone Arsenal now. Um, <laughs> uh, and we downsized and, and saved money and sacrificed. And my husband's been an absolute saint about it. Uh, most women would think I'm being a saint living in an RV with an itty bitty bitty closet, but I've adjusted and I don't have as much to clean. Um, it's, amazing. it's amazing. Mary Scott asked me every single day, when's your house done? When's your house done? When are you getting out of the RV? It is a really nice RV, but I really just think, oh my goodness, that's a lot. I mean, but you know what? I adjusted. It's fine. The re- it, it's it's part of what's inspired me to bring you on because you, you took it on the chin, Vicki. And I remember the tears. I remember the moments when you were really just, and you just, but I want you to know that you inspired me, you, 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 and you will inspire our listeners and face it like she did face it bravely like she did listeners, because it's night and day. You don't have to go through that hamster wheel every day and think I'm going to be on this hamster wheel until I retire. You don't have to do that. And she didn't, she took it on the chin to change her circumstances. And I so admire you for that. Thank you. Well, a a big part of this I've left out um, is that the lady sitting to my left, Miss Mary Scott Hunter was a huge part of me getting through it. She was the first person I went to, to tell her that I was going to be leaving leaving my company. And I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. She has always seen, I don't know what the heck she sees, but she apparently sees something in me and asked me to come be part of her campaign. And I wholeheartedly was, took that job on and, and thoroughly enjoyed it and loved working side by side with her. And that 
that truly was another place that, that saved me because of the, the little bit of income that we, I could get from doing that mm-hmm. as I was trying to build businesses. And um, so I'm so super appreciative of that in our friendships. Well, these, these um, we're getting close to the end now, but these untidy, this untidiness, this time, this, when you leave a job, you're going to, you're going to expect to not have a straight path forward. But remember that in that, in all that, stuff that goes on, there's opportunity and you got to look for it. You got to find it. You got to grab it, but don't stay in a circumstance forever where you are, where you don't have a future. There are two things, Vicki, that you just touched on that I really want to highlight that I think are so important, especially as women in the workplace, um, women building their careers. You hear so many people who get their jobs because they knew the right person at the right time. You hear of so many people who, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be on the job market and this in good old boy networks, this happens quickly and seamlessly, but it's not as often. I think that historically women have stood up for each other and said, I know the perfect person who would be perfect for this position. So it was really wonderful to hear, to hear your friendship with Mary Scott touch on that, that importance of, of, of networking and of recommending your friends who, who you know are qualified Amen. for those jobs. I think that's really, really important. It and is. Also, this is something that everything you're talking about right now works on so many levels for so many different people, but it's also really, really resonating with me right now. And I just want to thank you personally for <laughs> showing what it can look like on the other side of some of what can sometimes feel like the doldrums of a, of a career path or you know, when things become unexpected, when unexpected changes happen and, and you have to take stock and, and say, Oh, I'm not going the right direction. You came out on the other side oh, and that's inspirational pleasure. to me. So thank you so much for being here today. Well, ladies, it has been awesome. I know, I know, I know, I know that some of our listeners out there are going to be inspired by your story, Vicki. And I want to tell you guys out there, changing jobs every couple of years used to look bad on a resume. It, it maybe told recruiters that you, you can't hold a job or you can't get along with colleagues or you're disloyal. Throw all that out of your head right this minute. Just throw all that out because the stigma is antiquated. It is, it, it is, it's, it's, it's gone, especially as millennials rise in the workplace with expectations to continuously learn, develop, and advance their careers. And that's good for everybody, no matter what generation you're in. So remember that changing jobs is, it's, it's just, part of it today. And you can do it. You can do it if you need to. And recognize your situation. Be brave. Get out there and figure it out. Work on it. Don't sit there and turn in circles. Make something happen. In the next couple of weeks, we are going to finish up this series where we've talked to women about their jobs and tried to inspire you about your work and we are going to close this series. Rachel and Liz and I are going to talk about how to change your story. Um, I hope you'll tune into that one. Uh, That one's coming up soon. I think it's going to be really great. So connect with Bell Curve on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest at Bell Curve Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Please leave us a review. It really helps us.